Well, as a pastor, I receive, I receive some strange gifts as a pastor. Uh, I, some people bring me zucchini on Sunday mornings, and I, I'm not complaining. I love it. I don't, I'm not really a zucchini-type guy, but I like zucchini. <laughs> I'm given vegetables I can't pronounce. But every once in a while, you're just given a gift that's the gift that keeps on giving. And today, I have been given the gift of Tubby's brand-new barbecue sauce, Okay. And so what I decided to do, since my wife and I have a roast in the crock pot today that we're going to eat, that I've been thinking about since 8 a.m., I'm just going to, I'm going to leave that right there to let it be God's reminder that at the end of this sermon is his favor waiting on me, okay? You know, you can't be family unless you love food and love rallying around food. If you really don't think about food much, raise your hand. In the name of Jesus, I command whatever it is that's bothering you or hindering you, Alan, Graham. If you think about lunch while you're eating breakfast, raise your hand. My kind of people. I'm not talking about vacation. I'm on Weight Watchers, so I've lost eight pounds and all desire to live. And in the morning, in the morning when I'm, making my egg beaters. I don't even know what egg beater is. I went and bought egg beaters and I thought, I don't even know what this is. It is like chewing on a wet tennis shoe eating egg beaters. So I get one piece of turkey bacon, which weighs about like a feather. And that fills me up till about 7.30 a.m. after that. At breakfast, I'm thinking, okay, what can I count for my points at lunch? I, at breakfast, think about lunch and dinner. And the only thing I can say that gives this thing redemption is that feasting is the number one metaphor of the kingdom of God from Genesis to Revelation. So if you don't like to eat, eat. Holy Spirit, I pray that these words would come from you, not from me. That we'd celebrate your goodness today in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'm excited about this sermon. This, this thing's been really personal for me. This is actually going to be a book. And it's funny how God has brought this whole thing together. I don't have a whole lot of strategy. I just like to follow him and do what he says, and it typically works out that way. And I feel like this series has helped a lot of people and is going to help a lot of people. Uh, we've gotten a lot of uh, people that have contacted us outside this house about healing the orphan spirit, uh, developing deep friendship with God. And so today is week seven, and in the past six weeks, I've been pointing to the king's table as right here, and this is the place where you are secure in your identity, where you know you're clean, you're protected and loved and cared for and honored by the Father. Over here is a place called Lodi Bar. It's where Mephibosheth found himself, even though by covenant had the right to sit at the king's table. What he didn't know almost killed him. And David just happened to ask, hey, is Jonathan, does he have any kids left that are alive? And they said, yeah, Mephibosheth. And even though Mephibosheth had the rights to sit at King David's table, he stayed in the land of desolation, the land where there is no identity, the land where you don't know who you are, where you're lost. This message particularly is for born-again Christians. There's nothing more sad in the kingdom than to have the birthright of royalty, but to live in Lazarus's grave clothes. And I believe the call on Bridgeway is to introduce Christians to Jesus. I feel like he's gotten lost in a religion that bears his name. 
And I do have a passion for the lost, absolutely. But the call of, my, of God on my life, and I have to be obedient to this, is to rescue, rescue Christians from a lack of identity. And so this sermon series to me is not something I read on howtospeak.com or sermoncentral.net or whatever else you can go find. This is just my life story. I feel like over the last six weeks, I've just spit out and birthed something that's been brewing in me for 15 years. And this sermon series to me is like the gravy on top of the roast beef. I love the roast beef, but once you get to the gravy, the gravy is what makes everything taste great. And this, I believe, is the gravy of what Bridgeway is and will become because it's how to develop deep friendship with God. And how do you know whether or not you're sitting at the king's table? I'm not asking, do you believe in Jesus? I'm not asking if you're born again. I'm asking, on what scale are you from Lodi Bar to the king's table? And the last six weeks have been indicators to let you know where you are on the scale. I don't think it's all or nothing. I think sometimes that we just walk strong in identity and all of a sudden someone looks at us wrong and we get offended and we back off the king's table. I cannot wait for next week. I I hardly ever say this around here. But I'm just telling you, next week I've been waiting to preach this thing for at least six months. I'm going to preach the last week on this series on offense and how as a pastor in two years... I, I've just noticed that I think Christians are more offended than non-Christians. But that's, that's next week. Hang on, Terry. Let me get to next week. That's next week. Can I have a water bottle? I almost opened that and sipped on it, but that, that might be pushing the limits. And today, today we talk about what separates a man from a boy, a woman from a girl on this sonship, daughtership thing. And it is the topic of thankfulness. I'm going to make this so simple, you have to hire someone to help you misunderstand it. In the kingdom of God, gratitude is a vicious weapon. The highest form of spiritual warfare is genuine thankfulness before God. Because he will defeat your enemies for you if you just remain thankful. Enemies that you don't even know you have. So enter his courts with bickering and complaining and reminding God of what he hasn't done for you. Here's the deal. Let's just get real. Let's get real. Let's don't have this sermon for the person beside you. Let's be man enough to put on our big boy pants and look in the mirror and say this. Do I walk out gratitude? Or am I more known for bickering about the manna? Uh, When you know the nature of someone, you can typically always predict his or her behavior. And what I have learned about the Father is the Father loves thanksgiving and he is not drawn towards a critical spirit, a critical mind, or complaining. He loves thanksgiving. I had a dream Sunday night that I was in my dad's basement where we started Wayfair Ministries 16 years ago. And you know, God gave me a dream 16 years ago, but it's not manifesting until now. He gave me a word that's taken 16 years to manifest. You know, David had oil poured on him, but it didn't manifest for like 17 years. Some scholars believe 20. So in the dream, I'm in my dad's basement where we started the ministry. And Jessica Longshore, who was just on stage, and Liz was there with their two kids. And the kids were playing. And I walked to my left, and I walked into Bridgeway. There's 2,500 people in the church. There's 2,500 seats behind the church, and the other 2,500 seats filled up very fast. And I walked back into the room. This time when I walked in the room, my dad was working at his desk. And uh, Jessica and Liz were there, and there was a terrorist in the closet. He looked at me, and I looked at him, and I wasn't scared of him in the dream. 
And I walked over there and he started backing up. And I said, what are you doing here? He didn't talk to me and he shut the door. I walked back into Bridgeway. It got bigger again. And there was literal fruit. I could see fruit in the dream, which easy interpretation. I walked back into the room and now this terrorist is getting a little annoyed and fidgety. It happens a third time. The third time I see all these computer terminals in the closet and then he leaves to go back to his homeland. On the computer terminals, I watch his own community of people, his brotherhood. I watch them kill him in the dream. And in the dream, I got an interpretation from the father in the middle of the dream. He said, Chad, if you will remain thankful, he knows what I'm about to preach on. If you will remain thankful, gratitude will be your biggest weapon. I will turn your enemies against themselves all the days of your lives. Because we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. If you're bumping up around someone that you think that something's wrong with them, they may not even know that they're being used by the enemy to cause and stir up conflict. I'm not talking to someone outside of Christ. You can pray in tongues and walk in no character and be used by the enemy worse than someone who does not know the Lord. And in the dream, what God was saying, don't ever harp too much on strategy. Don't try to figure this thing out. Just be like Jehoshaphat. Put the worshipers in front. Put the people full of gratitude in front and I'll do the rest. And so today is the power of thanksgiving because an indicator of a true son or daughter that's sitting at the king's table, they just can't stop thanking him. You are so good. You are so good. You're just so good. What if I told you that thanksgiving coming out of your lips from a pure heart, not to manipulate him, but what if it was so pure that doors were opening for you that you weren't even praying for or interceding for? If my intercession is pointed towards what doors I need to open, what favor I need to have. Let's just be honest. A lot of people come to charismatic churches because if they believe if they just believe a certain way, then blessing has to flow. I'm not talking about thanking him to get the blessing. I'm talking about thanking him because he just deserves it. <laughs> that he's just worthy. What if my life became so grafted in hardcore to this paradigm of gratitude that 10 years from now, we just turn around and say, how did so much favor flow into my life? What if it's because not just that he's good, but because you tugged on that grace with your faith of thanksgiving? For example, a lot of people get tripped up in their finances because they do not bring their first fruits to the father and present them at the house that they're plugged into locally. I don't talk about money a lot here at Bridgeway. What we don't realize is we hurt ourselves when we don't bring our first fruits and say, Father, this is yours. I'm going to teach on this in January. We're going to do a first fruit series. What, what that is, is it's an offering of thanksgiving. What I want to tell you this morning, explain through scripture, when I thank him from the table, it's not just for him to say, oh, you're welcome. It actually releases the angelic realm in my life. It actually releases breakthrough. It, it actually wars against the enemy. And let me say it this way. When one of my kids tells me, hey, dad, I just want to tell you, thank you. It actually makes me want to multiply what I've already given them and give them more. Yesterday, since it stopped raining, it's been raining. I feel like we live in Seattle. It's been raining so much. And I called Jack from the car wash because I washed the car, took Wendy on date night last night. And I said, Jack. I got a job for you. I need, I'm going to pay you $2 to do it. He said, what is it? I said, I need you to pick up all the sticks in, in the grass, front and backyard. 
He said, I'll think about it. Now, I love the Lord my whole heart. I, I, I pastor a church. I had about three thoughts that had nothing to do with God for the next. You'll think about it? Let, let me think about a few things, Jack. But yesterday, my little one over there, I said, Ruth, I got a job for you. She said, what is it? $2 worth. She's doing the number in her head thinking, okay. Because she, she wants a Fitbit right now. And she knows she needs about 180 bucks. And she's got a lot of work to do. <laughs> she got that job done so fast and she did a great job. I'm going to be honest with you. As a father, when someone does that job, I'm not speaking on his behalf. I'm just telling you what it's like for me. When Ruthie did what she did, the way she did it, don't be surprised when that Fitbit just shows up somewhere. <laughs> But for that seven-year-old, we're going to have a talk today about what it means to think about things. <laughs> Let me think about it. You know what spiritual orphans do? Because in the West, there's just churches are filled with so many spiritual orphans. We're just trying to kill the orphan spirit at Bridgeway so we can build a movement off of sonship and daughtership. Oh God, I just, uh, I don't even know. I don't really have anything to say other than I'm been disappointing you for so long because life's all about me and you just never come through for me. I'm in, I'm in Christ. Thank goodness for heaven. I get to go there when I die. But a son just says, Father, you're too good. You're just good. Thank you so much. If you never did another thing for me, I got it pretty good. When I leave my body, I'm going to be with you forever. This is too good to be true. You're awesome. You're awesome, God. I told God one night when I was preaching somewhere up in Tennessee, I said, God, you are awesome. He said, I like you too. I think, I, think, I think he even said, I think you're awesome. It was something like that. I can't remember the exact word, but I said, you're just incredible. That's what it was. I said, you are incredible. He said, I think you're incredible too. Here's what happens. Y'all aren't listening to me. I'm telling you when, you, when you're pure with this, I'm just now catching on to it. The reason things manifest that looks like heaven in your life, in your marriage, with your kids, with your finances, with your protection, this Psalm 91 thing, it's ushered in by saying, I just want to say thank you. He doesn't just say, oh, you're welcome. He moves. Angels are activated through your gratitude. I have never read that from anywhere in my life. It's ridiculous. Thank you. Thank you. So I want to look at some passages this morning because I think it's one of the major themes of the Bible. I am narrowing this down so much. I really, I'm not kidding you. I could talk, I could read passages for three hours on this idea. So let's just give it a go. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. In all circumstances. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Everyone say thanksgiving. I'm not talking about dressing turkey and Detroit Lions getting beat again. I'm talking about <laughs> gratitude. Present your request to God. Isn't it interesting that you thank him and then you request? If you are requesting without gratitude as a staple in your life, hush, you're wasting your breath. You're doing a lot of this. And God's going, no, hang on now. This is why he would say, Bring me the first fruits. 
anoint your firstborn. When you know the nature of someone, you always predict his behavior. behavior. Father loves the first fruits of anything, including gratitude and thankfulness. We think saying thank you is when I'm looking at my meal and I pray so fast, it's like I've got something wrong, I've got a speech impediment. And what thankfulness is, is just, it's from the heart of just saying, you are so good. Next verse. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. I'll give thanks to the Lord because of his righteousness. I will sing the praises of the name of the Lord most high. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Why is the Bible so packed with reminding us to give thanks to him? It produces genuine humility, reminds us every day when I say thank you that I didn't bring myself into this world. I'm not taking myself out of this world. I came from him. Everything's about him. He deserves all my praise no matter what happens to me the rest of my life. Getting to God to give you a career to like present him may be one of the most grotesque things I've ever heard of. I'm going to chase God for a platform. No, I'm going to chase the king's table because he's just good. This thing is decaying every single day. There's never been anything decay about him. He's always been. No one made him. He told the son, you're going to be that big. You're going to be this hot. And I'm going to go, and you're going to raise every single morning. And I'm going to make the moon. It's going to be my footstool. I'm going to prop my feet up on it. He's Lord God Almighty, Jehovah. Every once in a while, we ought to just say, you're big. Thank you for being you. You know what? If you haven't to thank nothing else other than thanking for Jesus, just thanking for Jesus. Jesus was his first fruits given to you. Forgiving grateful praise, shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. If y'all help me out, I'll preach better. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Why? Why? Not just because he deserves it, because it activates protection. It activates deliverance. It activates the blessing on your marriage, the blessing on your finances, the blessing on your job. If you would just stop griping and complaining about what you don't have, the word that didn't come to pass, and acting like a little baby with my tongue just around my thumb of like, I just, nothing ever goes good to me. We shut doors of heaven over us all the time. What comes out of our mouths? We are literally damning ourselves. We're damning heaven up by being hypercritical all the time about myself, about what's not happening. Sometimes you just need to go before him. And this is your intercession. I just want to say thank you. I dare you over the next week, write down everything in your life you've ever been thankful for. Nothing besides offense, and I'll get there next week. Nothing shows your orphanhood more than a lack of gratitude. Because when I don't have gratitude, what I'm really saying is it's about me. I deserve more than this. I deserve better. You deserve hell. I don't deserve anything. I don't deserve the breath in my body. And what happens is, when you get the eyes of an owl and the eyes of a hawk and the eyes of an eagle, you start to notice things other people don't notice that you start to say thank you for. And when you do it not to manipulate him, because he's brilliant, I promise you're not going to get it past him. When you genuinely are just like, thank you, thank you, you can feel the wind of heaven on a down current towards you of blessings coming. This ushers in the favor of God. Thank you. You're so good. 
um, a young lady came this morning. She told me about her testimony of healing from last week. I'm going to get her to share it last week or next week. She had a bladder infection and she had a lot of pain. She got healed last week. You know what I prayed for? I said, thank you. That's deep. <laughs> this this uh, week, I was driving in my driveway, and I just teared up. And I just said, I just thank you for this house. I thank you. I got three kids that love you. I just thank you. I just thank you. I thank you that if you never did another thing for me, when I leave my body, I'm going to walk around with you forever. You're going to look at the Nazarene one day. You're going to see him. He's going to smile at you. You. We're prone to think that the people beside, he loves so-and-so more. No, he doesn't. He doesn't play favorites. You've got a lot to be thankful of. You're just so full of Lazarus's grave clothes that you can't see what to be thankful of. Take them off. And don't get someone else to pray for you. You take them off. This is what adults call growing up. Please grow up. Even in the midst of when the boat is rocking the hardest, that's when you need to find what you need to be most thankful for. When Jesus multiplied that bread and that fish, you know what he did? He broke it in half. Symbolic of giving the first fruit to the Father. You know what he said? I give thanks to you. He turns around. He's got enough fish and bread to feed 15,000 people. Jesus might have been on to a secret that most Christians don't know. Well, I just, I guess I thank you. I guess. I don't know what I'm thankful for, but let me just thank God. Thanksgiving. Let's eat turkey. If... If you could get a glimpse of what we've been saved from, of even what we're not aware of, we'd cry most of our days saying, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Some of you need to sing a song with two words. You know what the two words are? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. What if you told him thank you and he said back to you, no, thank you. This tugs on the heart of the Father when it's pure. He'll give you so much blessing, you don't know what to do with it. You know why a lot of people don't have community? Because people don't want to be around people who aren't thankful. When we bicker and we complain and we gripe and we wonder why no one wants to be around us, how do you think he feels? Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. When I bring my first fruits financially, and listen to me, I'm not talking about other places. When I bring it to this house, my spiritual home, and I just say, thank you. Before I pay my mortgage, before I pay my water bill, before I do anything, do not be surprised when you're doing that, when blessing invades that thankful offering. I'm just telling you. I've seen how this works. And people over here have like, I just, I never have enough and God doesn't bless me. Has it ever occurred to us that people that are walking in blessing are abiding by kingdom principles? This is my first fruit back to you. I know I'm free and I know I'm a son and I know that I'm not bound by some law. This is my joy and privilege. Then I put faith on that first fruit offering and I'm trying to figure out why my barns are filling up. God, people think God's unpredictable. Not really. He created the solar system. People think, oh, God's an artist. I can never be prophetic because I just, you never understand what God's going to do. And he just flows freely and he never repeats himself. That's not true. He's an artist and an engineer. There are kingdom principles about first fruit offerings. 
I'll never forget when my son was born, my firstborn son was born. And I mean, I was, I was a wreck later that afternoon, and I, a wreck. And I went out in the parking lot, and I just said this, he is yours. He is yours. It applies in your marriage. It applies in your finances. There's the thankfulness of first fruit things. But here's what I'm saying. God doesn't make me be thankful. God, gratitude is on me. What if I were to tell you that heaven was activated and its angels and its influence, not just by the sovereignty of God, but by your faith and how God has set this thing up? Why did Jesus tell the Father thank you before the things multiply? Because Jesus is an example of what my life is supposed to be. How many times did Paul say, I thank you, Father, for this? I thank you, Father. A spirit of gratitude out of your mouth that's pure will open more doors in one week than 10 people with 15 PhDs could open for you in 100 lifetimes. Next verse. For the Lord is good, his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights. If we believe the word, and we're a word church, where does every good gift come from? From the Father. I'm just saying this. Tell him thank you from time to time. I double dog dare you. What are they saying? Stand by me. I triple dog dare you. I dare you to list out all of the things you're thankful for and say, Father, I just present to you, this to you as an offering. I just, I want to like put it in a bottle and go bury it out in the backyard. If you never did another thing for me, I am so thankful for this. And that breeze you feel is sure not coming from this August temperature out here. That breeze you feel is from heaven saying, oh, you don't even know what you're doing now. I have zero doubt that Bridgeway Christian Academy will not be blessed. It, there is no way that thing won't be blessed it, 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 will, it is blessed. We saw six students sign up this past Friday to go to school there, six in one day. You want to know why? Because we've put the Jehoshaphat principle out in play. We're just going to praise him and say thank you before anything ever manifests. In my dream the other night, the church was growing and multiplying. The major strategy is, you are good. You are just so good. I am so thankful for you. The Father's eyes roam the earth to find people in a people group who walk in gratitude. You want to know why? Because when he knows your heart, he can give you more. So if I'm not giving him my first fruits financially and I give him what's left over and I wonder why blessing's not flowing in my life, you perhaps may be tying things up on your end and not even knowing it. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. Praise God he doesn't. Therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink or about your body or what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? When you sit at the king's table, you're not begging for the next meal. You just say thank you because you know your provision's coming. Worry depicts a spiritual orphan at all times. I know, I was one. Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns and yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? I want to go to, if we can, Acts 16. This is probably the most ridiculous story on the power of gratitude that I can find in the New Testament. Paul and Silas are beaten so hard that scholars believe, I mean, it could have just been a brutal beating, uh, swelling everywhere, 
uh, a few scholars believe this is one, this might have been the time where Paul went into the third heaven. He got beaten so bad. It might have been another time. Let's just say they got, they were beaten really bad. And I want you to watch what happens, what got him in trouble, how they were beaten, and what they did after they were beaten. Once when we were going to a place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the Most High who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed. I love this. (laughs) He put up with it as long as he could. That he turned around and said to the spirit, notice that he didn't speak to the lady, spoke to the spirit. What's coming against you perhaps is not flesh and blood. Are y'all listening? If you treat the problem as though it's a person, that problem is going to get worse. Take authority over what's behind that person and watch what happens. In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left her. Funny how that works. When her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas, dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews and throwing our city into an uproar. No, they weren't. By advocating customs unlawful for Romans to accept or practice. No, they weren't. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas. It multiplied. All things were against them. The magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. This is pretty intense. After they had been severely flogged, not flogged, severely flogged, they were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. What would you do if this happened to you? Because a spiritual orphan, when a tiny little thing doesn't go right, we just start bickering and complaining. We can't believe how this is happening. A son and a daughter never leaves the posture of gratitude, ever. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in stocks. The inner cell and tied them up, the, the deepest part of the prison. And so what's Paul do? About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. The other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was a, such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew up and everyone's chains came loose. Gratitude is not just a Hallmark card. It is a vicious weapon in the kingdom of God. And the reason many of us don't walk in freedom is because we don't walk in gratitude. I love how Jesus is the boss of all bosses. They come to him and they say, where are we going to get enough food to feed all these people? And he says, you feed them. What if a lot of the things that we're asking the father to do, he's saying to you, why don't you do what I've told you to do? If you would start praising my name every once in a while, you wouldn't have to beg me for prison doors to fly open in the first place. Why don't you feed them? Paul and Silas weren't saying, God, I can't believe you. This is not fair. I never signed up for this. I've lost everything. It's just not fair. When you get so deep at the king's table, suffering and persecution doesn't seem the same way to you as it does a spiritual orphan. Because you know you don't deserve anything in the first place. And every gift you have is from the Father of lights. This is why Paul became content in all things when he was being beaten and when he was not being beaten. He was so connected to God. He just said, you know what? If this is the end for me, If this is the end for me, it's been a good ride and I'm going to be with you forever anyway. If I, if I get to the end of my life and I am petrified and I'm trying to hang on to the earth and I don't want to go there, 
It's an indication that I may believe in him. I just don't know him. Because when you know him, even at the end of your life, it's no big deal. Hey, if it ended right here today, I'm going to be with you forever. If you never got another breakthrough in your life, you got a pretty good ending to this story. And every once in a while, a person will just grows up and realizes, I don't have to just get my identity from my kids or my spouse or my parents. I can be so connected to you that if things never change, I've got it pretty good. Louis Armstrong was right. It is a wonderful world, but you got to see it for what it is. And Paul and Silas were tied up saying, what a wonderful God. What a wonderful world. And all of a sudden, bam, suddenly, and watch what they don't do. Because a bunch of charismatics would run so fast, they you like a bolt of lightning. I'm out of my prison. I got what I asked for. There's my breakthrough. I sowed my seed and got my breakthrough. Here's what happened. Paul and Silas apparently weren't done singing. They just kept singing. The jailer woke up when he saw the prison doors open. He drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We're all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. People tremble at a person of deep gratitude. Instead of going to get someone's anointing and praying for anointing, pray for the courage to be a person of gratitude. Anointings don't make people tremble. A lot of people have anointings and don't walk in any character. Here's what makes people tremble and the enemy tremble. When you have deep friendship with God, you didn't run out of the prison because the Father told you not to. And you're just worshiping him because it's second nature to you. What must I do to be saved? I believe in the Lord Jesus. You'll be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. Amazing story. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God and his whole household. When it was daylight, the magistrates sent their officers to the jailer with the order, release those men. You know what Paul probably said? I've already been released. You don't need to release me. You didn't even have me bound up when you thought you had me bound up. So when Jesus said, I could have called down the legions if I wanted to. Pilate would just running his mouth and Jesus wouldn't respond until Pilate crossed the line on authority. And he said, do you not know that I have authority to release you? And Jesus said, you only have authority because my father's given it to you. With Jesus tied up, accused of a crime he didn't commit, he even kept his mouth shut. You want to know why? Because his identity was at the king's table, not what was around him. Jesus had the authority to to walk right out of there. The reason he didn't is because he embraced the cross because that was his assignment. When you are at the king's table, even when these prison seasons come, some of them come directly from the hand of the Father to groom you more into the image of Jesus Christ. And you trust him when it's there and you trust him when it's not. The charismatic church really has hardly any idea of this message of suffering. I don't associate suffering with sickness, but I'm going to tell you this right now. The Father will flat out send you into a season to see what you're made of. And see, Paul and Silas saw that for a reason. You want to know why Paul is called the greatest overcomer of all time, minus Jesus Christ, by most biblical historians? Because he overcame so much. God will give you something to overcome, then you overcome it. And he says, there's my overcomer. And some of you have tremendous destinies in your future. You will not get there without a bunch of these. 
And if you can't thank him when the prison is there and you can't thank him when the doubts are invading and you can't thank him when things aren't going your way, it'll never be real to you and he won't be able to use you. It's easy to thank him when things are manifesting. Can you thank him when the prison's there? Can you thank him when you're struggling with your faith? Can you thank him when the winds aren't blowing? Can you thank him just because you're thankful? A lot of people go to charismatic church and they blow up numerically because they're just thinking, well, if I learn a certain theology and think a certain way, then that means then the blessing has to be mine. I'm saying thank him even in the prison. So when the the blessings are manifesting, you're not even running out to touch them and grab them. You just rather just stay at the king's table. You learn to be content in all things when it's manifesting and when it's not manifesting because you're realizing life's not about you and you have found something no one else can find because you've laid your life down. You've laid it down and he just killed you in like Luke 9, 23 and then he picks you right back up, gives you resurrection power where a prison can't even contain you. This is a disgrace for this guy to say, now you can be released. Are you kidding me? He, He was released when he got blinded by Jesus Christ of Nazareth. When you're at the king's table, you find something other people don't have. And you're just thankful. So if I'm not a person of extreme gratitude, there's probably something going on to where I don't know what I should be thankful for. Meditate on this one thought. If not for Jesus Christ, you would rot and spend an eternity in hell. I'm thankful. I'm thankful I get to be reunited with family members. I'm thankful that I have a wife that loves Jesus and goes after him. I'm thankful that I have three kids that go after the Lord. I'm thankful for this church. I'm thankful for this elder board. I'm thankful that I had enough money to, to, to wear this. I'm thankful that I have water to drink. There's people all over the world who don't have water. I'm thankful that right now I'm so privileged that if I want to, I can pretty much find the answer to any question by talking to a dadgum cell phone. <laughs> Siri, where is the nearest Chick-fil-A? And it tells me. Okay, here's what I found. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it just popped up. We are privileged. I'm thankful I was raised by parents that, that love God. I'm thankful for my siblings. Um, I'm thankful that there was money for me to go to my dream school, University of Georgia. I'm, I'm thankful we have carpet. I'm thankful that if it rains, we have a, a roof that, that keeps us from getting wet. Uh, I'm thankful that we have a place to come worship the Father together. I could keep going on and on and on and on. But I'm going to tell you, if this is not natural for you, it doesn't make you evil. You should probably have on Lazarus's grave clothes. I cannot wait for next week. I am telling you right now, it will be the most awkward sermon I have ever preached at Bridgeway. I cannot tell you how many people are offended on a daily basis. And it is the number one indicator. Sweetheart, you, you're not at the king's table. This is what Paul would say, quit drinking milk and grow up. And what Paul's saying, and I I could read it for another hour, two hours, three hours. Be thankful. Let praise continually be on my lips. You know what happens when we are actually thankful for other people as well? Because Paul talks about this. They're actually, they want to be around you. They're drawn towards you. Yahoo did an article about three years ago. Why do people get promoted in the workplace? And they called it the likability factor. The likability factor gets people promoted. It has nothing to do with your educational experience. Heaven, heaven and heaven's agenda is drawn to people uh, that are thankful. If someone in your life right now, you might just need to thank for who they are. It goes a long way. This is a habit that proves sonship. 
I'll close with this. I'm going to ask our prayer service to come down. I'll close with this. One of the effects of praise is actually complete spiritual warfare. Yeah, I'd love for prayer service to come on down. If you're in a season where it seems like the enemy is just tearing you up, there may be nothing more powerful than just pure praise. One, one night, I don't even remember what I was going through. Of course I don't. This is probably 12 years ago. I was going through something that was coming against me. It was very difficult. I can't remember the details of it. And I heard Jesus say, Chad, you need to praise me. What if the Father opened up your eyes to see portals opening and angels ascending and descending upon your praise? What if you knew that the the Lord of the Most High, the, the God of the universe, was enthroned upon the praises of your lips? I'm not just talking about in a service with people, with, with music around. I'm talking about in your car. I just want to say thank you. Let's stand together. If you would like to become a person that gratitude is your middle name and you would like to grow in this and you would like for us to pray for you today that that would be a reality for you, that you would be a person that walks in deep gratitude, I'm going to ask you to come forward after this blessing. In the name of Jesus Christ. May thankful praise forever be on your lips. Amen.